0: Hello and welcome to the first episode back for the Hooligan Report for season 2016-17. I'm your host as always, SM, and I've got with me Cruyff. Good morning. I've also got JD2010. Hey. And I've also got TradeSpurt. Morning. TradeSpurt, I'll start with you just quickly because I don't think we've had a toffee on the podcast before. Um And I just wanted to get your thoughts on Everton's last few seasons, I guess. Um, You had Martinez as manager, finished fifth, um, then flirted with relegation a little bit while you played in the Europa League, Um, and now you've appointed Coleman. So um, how how have you found it all?
1: It's been a bit of a rollercoaster ride, to to say it in a nutshell. Um, First season was unbelievable. It was the first time I've probably, in my time following Everton, I've ever seen us play attacking football, because... Under Moyes, that wasn't <laughs> always his number one priority. So it was it was unreal, in all honesty. It was the best season I've actually ever seen from an Everton um, team in my probably young time of following Everton. <coughs> <coughs> Pardon me. Um, and then it was just a fall since then. I think our tactics got found out. Um, a lot of players lost trust and respect for Martinez and we were just a downward spiral ever since then, and our last two seasons were nothing short of terrible from an Everton fan's perspective, and hopefully now with Ronald Koeman in charge, we can charge back up the table and get back to our best.
0: Sounds good. Uh, We'll we'll go into more detail on Everton in a bit, Um, but we'll start with Cruyff, and we'll chat about Arsenal. Um, And... I mean, look—it's the same questions every year to you, isn't it? We—you've signed Shurden, um sorry, not Shakiri, Shaka, his teammate, for thirty million, um, and I think holding from Bolton for uh, for two million pounds. But apart from that, not too many signings. So, um, how are you feeling heading into the season? And do you think you need to make a few more signings?
2: I think uh, we only some sign the right quality player uh, for the right amount of money. And uh, I think uh, when that player becomes available, we will make the move. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, <laughs> um, it is same old shit, different season, really. Uh, we need more players. We don't have enough. We need more depth. We don't have enough. We don't have uh, good enough forwards to win the league. We need a stronger spine. Um, we need better depth at right wing. It's just the same old as we've seen the past few seasons. And Vengas and, and continued in the in same ways. What did you... As as everyone is all too familiar with.
0: What did you make of the um, the Vardy bid um, and and how close it came to being accepted and, and going through?
2: I thought it showed good ambition. I mean, it, I think quite a few of the fans on the board um, got, got excited, but uh, and and it was good to show uh, uh, good to see the many. He moved the last one, and we sort of had a.
0: Sorry, you, yeah. Sorry, did you want to repeat yeah, that? I think it. you dropped out a bit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So, I um, know oh it was good to see the club uh, show some ambition and sign Vardy. Oh, and try and sign Vardy, but unfortunately the bid was rejected and. Um, uh Vardy rejected Arsenal too, but uh, the club have sort of sat on their hands since, and that's been that, and it's, it's quite disappointing, but that's what happened, and I mean, we've been linked with Lacazette, Morata, but nothing's been done about it.
0: Um, did anyone else have any questions about Arsenal they wanted to ask?
1: Well, I'll chip in. Um, do you actually think that there's a top-class striker out there that Arsenal can now sign? I looked through the options, and I honestly... Like there's Lacazette, like, or I'm not even sure how you pronounce it, but and but Inicardi. But is is there some serious top class proper striker out there that Arsenal can actually sign that can seriously make you guys title contenders?
2: But, but I would not back like Lacazette, if if they wanted to join the club, and, and if the club. Uh, Made steps to to sign them, but for in terms of top shelf talent, you've got Aguero, uh, Ibrahimovic, Messi, Neymar, Suarez. Uh, three of all of which are at the same club, two of which yeah. play at rival clubs in England. So it's it's really it, there's a lack of of talent, I guess, available on the market at the moment in terms yeah. of a top shelf striker.
1: Yeah, that's true. was just sort of because I don't know. Last year in, in Years previous, you almost hear like Lewandowski's name. Benzema was the rumour that never left. And then it just (laughs) seems to have... The quality of the target seems to have dropped down.
2: (laughs) I I think as well that it's the lack of um, striker available. If you're not like that big top club, you're Madrid, you're Munich or you're Barcelona and to an extent City and United, um, you're really at a disadvantage, I'd say, to, to sign an elite striker.
0: I, I mean, he would cost an arm and a leg, but someone like Obama Yang would almost be um, a good target because, he, cause, I mean, the, he strikes me as someone who plays... He's, he's got a similar sort of game style to Giroud, I would think, in the sense that they're both big men. Um, so he'd be, like, a massive upgrade on, on Giroud, really, but I just don't know if you'd fork out the, what was it, 70 million that they're asking for him?
2: Oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think P-, P is more of a, a bullet forward sort of thing. I don't. I'm not sure if he's a target man, but um, it's, some, it's something you take. But I don't think he'd leave Dortmund for for Arsenal personally. No,
1: nah, especially after their summer, they've, they've recruited really well. So <laughs>
2: yeah, someone I'd I'd throw all money at is Antoine Griezmann. But again, why would you leave Atletico in the place they're in now and come to
0: Arsenal? Yeah. Do you think that's will probably be true? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you think this will be Wenger's last season?
2: Oh, I think his contract's up at the end of this season, so I'd say most definitely.
0: And uh, then I guess, will you finish above Spurs, and, or, or do you have a chance of winning the league? I mean, I think last season you were more confident because of the signing of Czech, but um, this season obviously you haven't made as many key signings.
2: We won't win the league, but I still think we'll finish above Spurs. <laughs>
0: hmm.
2: I, I'm, not, I'm not being... Um, <clears throat> was anything. It's just we don't have enough quality, but and sort of the wheels fell off in those last few games, and we didn't deserve that second place by any stretch. But um, I just think we we somehow we always find a way to to our to, to finish in that top that top four. So I think it'll be the same again this season.
0: Well, then I guess you'll be hoping Spurs finish second. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we will move on to talk about Spurs now. Um, JD, um, I guess I'll ask you this. Um, you've made a couple of decent signings in Wanyama and Janssen, and, and they fill a few of the um, the needs for depth that you had. Um, does Do you think that you need a few more key signings to really challenge for the title, or do you think you're pretty much set now? Um, well, I don't think
3: the the first 11 will change all that much. So, you know, anyone else that comes in will just be depth and, and young players, but... Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think the the whole philosophy that Pochettino has is you know just growth from within the squad. Um, you know, turning guys like Dembele and Lamella around to be stars of the team. Um, so I think it'll be more of the same, really. A couple of youth guys come through and and take squad spots and and stuff like that. So I doubt we'll we'll make too many. There's a couple of young young guys that are being linked, um, but again, like you know. I think his name's Ante Koric from Zagreb. I don't think he'll... You know, the, there won't be pressure on him to take Eriksson's spot. It'll be more like, you know, Ali's season last year where he starts on the bench. And if he makes it, he makes it. If not, you know, he might do like Lamella might take three years. So, yeah, I'm not expecting a whole heap um, between now and the end of the window.
2: Maybe two or three young guys. But, yeah, nothing major. And, and if, that, if, 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 Sorry. Sorry, if Spurs don't... Uh, Finishing the top four, do you think that harms um, the, the chances of players coming and and potentially holding on to players that are currently at the club, such as Ericsson, Kane, Ali, that sort of thing? Um, not so much on players coming
3: because we're not signing anyone that's that's demanding, you know, Champions League football. Yama's a good player, but mm. you know he's a he's a target that that even Liverpool could have signed. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And in terms of keeping the players, I guess it's Eriksson's the, the main worry um, if we didn't make it. But apart from that, yeah, I think they're they're kind of investing into it quite a bit with young English players. Um, and Lloris is talking pretty pretty heavily on and sign new contracts based on Pochettino and you know what he's trying to build there. So yeah, I don't see it being a massive problem. Um, Maybe losing Ericsson would be, yeah, would be the one that that would happen. But again, I, I think it depends on how we how we go in not qualifying. Like if it's a, you know a cup win and a, a good performance in the Champions League, I still think Pochettino has that relationship with the players that that he can convince him to stay on for another year. And have a crack again. Um,
0: do Do you think though that with Pochettino he does need to change some of his techniques? I mean, Grove was sort of saying that as the season wore on, the wheel seemed to come off a bit for Spurs, and the players did seem to get quite tired towards the end of um, towards the end of the season. <clears throat> and you had that blowout against Newcastle, which um, was obviously pretty damaging in terms of um, yeah. where, where you finished.
3: Yeah. Well, and the I... thing you is look at it, and it's. You know, is it the fitness, or is it? You know, we had Dembele cop that six-game ban, and the week before, Ali copped a, a three-game ban. So you're losing two of two of the first eleven there, not through injury, and then the guys that come in are a Ryan Mason and and Tom <laughs> Carroll,
2: right? I think
3: or a son. So it's not. Yeah, yeah, especially just, Dembele. He's the he,
2: he's the most important player we have. Um, just ba- just back on Pochettino, sorry, um, as SM mentioned, do you think um, uh, the way you guys performed against Chelsea in terms of like really dirty and all that, do you think that was something that Pochettino and them to, to do or um, the players lost their pool and he couldn't control them or do you think that's an indictment
3: on him? No, I think it's been all season. We, had, we were the most carded team in the league. We'd committed the most fouls in the league. Um, he's definitely changed the way I think teams look at us. Um, you know, Lamella's technically the most dirty player in the league. Dyer, you know, before he's, before he gets to yellow, he'll, he'll go through guys um, and make a statement. So I think he's definitely, you know, that game it, it erupted. Um, but, you know, I'd been seeing it when we were playing sides like Bournemouth. You'd have, you know, Matt Ritchie... First few minutes of a game and get the shit kicked out of him, really. So <laughs> it's just all about um, changing that perception of, of Tottenham. And I think there was an interview with Eric Dyer after we smashed City um, where he just said, you know, it, they're really pissed off by the perception of, of weakness in the squad and they're, they're going to, you know, really, that's what they're really working towards um, fixing. Uh, that was before, you know, top four was in the. Or Leicester was in the sights at all, so yeah, I don't think that'll that'll continue on. Um, and in terms of you know the the training methods and stuff, I think it's actually the beginning of the season that we copped the worst of it. Um, he's you know does double sessions, triple sessions once a season, still going, and we actually started quite slow. Um, so whether or not he changed I'd hope he changes that end of it more than. You know the back end of the season, I'm, I'm a bit skeptical on because you know with Dembele out, the next in line for his role would be Ali to move back into it, and then with him out, it was okay. Well, we now now need to bring Chadley in, who's you know mid table, and we now need to bring Mason in. The two of them together, you know, for two of the most important player roles in that team, it's just yeah, well, it makes us mid table really, and and it, and it showed against Southampton.
0: Well, and then, yeah. obviously, against
3: Newcastle.
0: It'll be interesting to see if Pochettino does change that technique, particularly with the start of the season, as you say. Because, I mean, and Tradespert, you'd know this more than most, that um, with Martinez, that sometimes managers really do get stuck in their ways and don't really see um, issues, even when they're common sense. And um, I guess that's a, as a question to everyone, because then also it would apply to Cruyff with Venger making very minimal signings. Does there not come a point with a manager where... Um, conventional wisdom or, or logic or, or common sense sort of overrides what their philosophy tends to be, uh, or, or do they just sort of stick oh, in of, their of, ways?
2: Of, of of course it does, but they don't necessarily think that they should change their ways. As you said, they're, they're stuck in their ways, and but surely then, they believe their way is the right way, and and they're not good. If if they do it another way, it shows they've been proven wrong, and they have to swallow a whole heap of pride. And us in Venga especially. Does not like to admit he is wrong or has done something wrong or etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Surely the other yeah, big
3: Bec- managers, Bec- sorry, you go. All managers are quite stubborn um, in their ways, really. Um, yeah, I don't see Pochettino changing his hard training um, at all, really. Because and you yeah, know, you can kind of say rightly so. Like, would you rather um, 38 games of mediocrity or? you know, go on a 20-25 game patch of really good football and maybe, you know, drop for the first four or five. Um, not completely drop, but drop in, in performance. So I guess that's that's his way of, of thinking about training. Um, we could either do what we did the season before where we were you know, a bit softer on the players and, and be average, or, you know, there was that period, I think, between about November through to... March. Well, yeah, we were playing as good a football as anyone, and I think he's training, or he'd like to think that his training methods would be the cause of that. So yeah, um, don't, from a manager's don't point of view, changing. sorry,
0: yeah. sorry,
1: buddy. But from a manager's point of view as well, if if you go and change your tactics or change your style and all that every single time that the media or the fans jump on your back, you'll be playing a different a different tactic every single week. Oh sure. So I think I think there has to be definitely. I think there has to be points. I don't think you can rush into significant changes. Preseason's the time where it needs to be done. And, well, from a Spurs perspective, if if fitness was the issue, which in all honesty I still question whether it was, um, if fitness was the issue, then sit down with the recruit, uh, with the fitness staff, the physios, whoever, and then sort it out mid uh, pre-season, because if you start trying to mess around with everything in the middle of the season, I think that's just where the wheels fall off a little bit too much. you just got to be I smart. Think that
2: I think as well, technically, if you change your thing too much, you need to bring in different players for that. So, yeah. sort of, like, we'll buy wingers to play, like, a 4-2-3-1 sort of thing, but we won't buy some, someone like a wing-back, where, like, Guardiola relies on wing-back, or Conte rather relies on wing-back sort of thing. So, if you chop and change too much, you need a squad full of 40 or 50 players to cover each position sort of thing
3: yeah and i think the players wouldn't buy into you know if they don't have a set style or or set way yeah there's not gonna be that buy-in um but then like you're saying though martinez would play was playing you know suicidal kind of stuff out of the back all the time there's got to be a point where you admit that it's not working um
0: yeah yeah, well, the,
3: that went on for two blip. years. Yeah, yeah, so he's like two and that's years my and my point, it, yeah. if it, results.
0: If it's gone on for but, two years, surely, and, and, and it's cost him his job, surely, and, and I mean, it's not as if he didn't have warning signs in his previous job at Wigan where he had similar issues, yeah. but surely he gets to a point where he thinks, well, hang on, I've actually lost my job over this issue. Clearly, it's something I need to address. Well, yeah, he's just I think got the, the thing, job at
1: Belgium, so... Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's a <laughs> him, though. He might not actually know, know any other way as well like that's what yeah. it appeared to be like he actually doesn't he, know how to teach
0: a team to defend but if if the reports are true that at training he didn't even practice defend was it he didn't practice defending corners pieces? or set pieces yeah, i mean a, things like that things like that that's yeah. not that's exactly ridiculous. that's not exactly oh, i don't know how to teach this defender how to defend that's just not even trying to or hiring a defensive coach or even yeah. trying to do anything
1: yeah, yeah, we, we basically crazy. went the season without a goalkeeping coach as well. One of the <laughs> first, the brought in. So, uh, yeah, nuts. managers can be so stubborn. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, we'll we'll move on then and, uh, and cover uh, Crystal Palace, and I guess I can address these questions to the group. Um, just a just a quick sort of um, discussion about them, but they obviously made the FA Cup final last season with Pardew, but had quite a good start to the season, up around around fifth place, um, sort of. Around the same sort of form as as West Ham, Southampton, those sorts of sides, but then had a complete and utter drop off uh, in the second half of the season. So, I guess the main question is where we see them finishing because um, Pardew has that sort of reputation of of doing quite well initially, but then his side sort of dropping quite sharply, quite, quite a, like dropping quite away.
1: Yeah, he's a real confidence manager. He plays off of confidence. And so oh, when te- when these teams are good, they're good. But when these teams are crap,
3: they're crap. So I'd, yeah, I think they could be really anywhere. They could be. I'd, I'd from, um, say between eleven and 15th. To, they could be from fifth to nineteenth for me, I reckon. They, especially if they get Benteke. Um,
0: well, that's the big one. You know, no, do we think? Do we think yeah. they'll get him?
3: I think so eventually. I think um, they will. Yeah. Yeah, Liverpool be stupid to keep him. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. They could go and beat anyone um, and they've added Townsend now with Saha and Balassi, and then you've got him in the middle like he, he's up front um, but at the same time they could easily go three months without a win so just depends on Pardew he, he is very hot and cold um, but yeah I don't I don't see it'd be definitely an exciting team to support because you just never know what's going to happen <laughs> next um,
1: obviously I, I also op- look at the- Sorry, yeah, sorry. Um, I, I look at the—they've actually got a good core. Like their yeah. their top six or so is actually is really solid. If they can, if Padu can build around that, I honestly, I, I rate them as a potential top team,
2: yeah. top ten they, team myself this season. they have got a good well, You look, what, Who's their keeper? Hennessy. Yeah, no, but they have got, got Mandanda. They got now. Yeah. Oh, Mandanda, and they've got Kabai. Yeah. Um, well, and at Yeti the back, Scott, going apparently. Scott, Dan, Scott Dan's pretty Scott, solid too.
1: Yeah, he Dan was. He
2: had a good season. Good.
0: They've signed Tom Cruise yeah, and Townsend, um, Townsend as well. So they've yeah, yeah, sort of I mean,
1: ticked off a lot of bases with their recruitment, I feel. It's strengthened the so times. You could, minds. You're
3: you're kind of get, get forward. The sense that at the moment, nobody. They got Wisha. <laughs> 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 well,
0: Which it was funny, Easter's it was it, not bad. It was funny though because last season they went in with what was it, six forwards or something and and I think yeah, they they're they've, all,
3: they're all championship quality. Really? Yeah, yeah they're, they're,
0: they've released Adebayor and Schmak and they've sold Gale to Newcastle for 10 million. So they're, yeah, they're trying to Fraser cut a few of the, Yeah, he'll, he'll, <laughs> I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll move on as well this season.
3: Yeah. So it's just like if they can just get Benteke as well, but you'd think when they you look at Paju, when things aren't going well, it'd be a shit place to be around. He'd be... You could just tell he'd be a real... Just a real annoying bad manager (laughs) when things are going badly. Um, Because, yeah, there's no excuse for that team to go three months without a win.
0: Um, Given his history with the club as a player and now as a manager, do we see him sort of getting a bit more leeway if they do go through one of those leaner periods?
2: Potentially. But then you think as well that the board would expect more from a former it's player trying, yeah. trying to get the club to, to get up and about rather than go winless yeah. for three they've months got, sort of thing.
3: They've got some pretty high ambitions, I think, that the board there, and they've got some money behind them. So, you know, if relegation's on the cards, I don't think they'll but they'll hesitate in sacking him um, if it means it, they can get someone good in.
1: He'd be and, significantly higher paid than any manager they've ever had, and they had to, had to do a bit to get him because... Like like yeah, they're backing, years, he like he signed like a seven, he had a yeah, huge contract at Newcastle, so
3: Yeah. They're backing him in to get them to Europe eventually. For now. But yeah, whether or not, you know, the results go bad, the board won't really care. The the money that's in the Premier League, you, if you need a sack and pay someone out, you just gotta do it.
0: And then of course there's the um FA Cup final curse, which uh, is quite funny that the, the previous three FA Cup finals um, Wigan, Man City, Hull, Arsenal, and the Aston Villa Arsenal have all seen one of the sides relegated the following season, or, or that season in Wigan's case. Do we see? Do we see that? Yeah, do we see pa- actually, yeah it's it's quite funny that it's it's <laughs> happened three years in a row now. Um, do we see there? Um, I mean, obviously we're just talking about Palace getting relegated, but uh, it's a it's a real possibility that it could become four.
3: Well, yeah, if Mourinho stuffs up that badly, United (laughs) might go down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It would have been quite funny if um, if that happens, but yeah. Um, uh, I guess that's all we're going to talk about for Palace. Um, I caught up with DBAH0 a little bit earlier to talk West Ham and a couple of other sides, um, so you can have a listen to that now. I'm joined now by DBAH Zero. How are you, mate?
4: Yeah, doing well. Thanks, SM. Um,
0: so I guess we haven't really had a West Ham supporter on before, so I, I wanted to ask you how you found um, West Ham's rise to being able to compete with some of the bigger clubs.
4: Oh uh, look, being a West Ham fan is never boring, put it that way. So I've been following club <laughs> for about ten, fifteen years and uh, we don't do safe mid-table. That's, that's why Sam Allardyce got sacked because uh, we finished 12th and 13th every season under him and uh, the fans found it pretty boring. So, uh, you know, we've been through relegation, promotion. Uh, so usually there's a bit of everything being a West Ham supporter, um, but it seems now sort of, you know, with the club moving to the Olympic Stadium, Um, You know, getting some good new players in, you know, it seems like it's a team on the rise, so it's a a good time to be a West Ham fan.
0: Yeah, so I I guess that was a good place to start with, um, asking you about that move to the Olympic Stadium, and and what does that mean for the club? It's sort of symbolic of of this new era, I suppose.
4: Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the stadium, I think, holds about 54,000 capacity at the moment, so that's going to be upgraded to about 60,000 we've got over 50,000 season ticket holders now which um, you know we broke our attendance record in our history the other night in our Europa Cup game against um, some Slovenian mob <laughs> 53,000 rock up on a on a Thursday night for a third round Europa qualifier so i think that pretty much tells you sort of you know the support around the club yeah. at the moment and what this move means um
0: do you do you have any sort of concerns then that, um, or is there any sort of issues that if you did potentially get relegated, um, having a stadium like that could cause issues, or is then is, is it not really um, too expensive to maintain? Well,
4: I think we're paying probably about two or three million pounds a season in rent, so uh, you know we got a pretty good deal when it was all said yeah. and done. Um, I know like Levy and Spurs and. There's been a lot of legal suits and everything um, that's been going on with the whole, you know, who was going to end up getting the Olympic Stadium over the past few years. So, um, I mean, the season we were in the championship, we were still getting 30,000, 32,000, you know, people rocking up to the stadium. So it's a bit like Newcastle going down to the championship. They're still going to get their 45,000 or so to St. James's Park every week. So
0: yeah, I, I did seem to find it interesting, you and Newcastle are sort of um, quite similar, or you followed similar paths the last maybe six or seven years, where I think Newcastle went down in 08, 09, you guys went down a few years later, and both bounced back up straight away, and are now... Well, Newcastle had a a period of looking pretty good and and you guys are now looking pretty good as well. Um, On the player front, with Dimitri Payet obviously being the talk of everyone at the moment, especially after the Euros, um, how do you see him backing up this season after last season's incredible form?
4: Well, hopefully he uh, plays as good as he did last season because he's so important to us. And uh, when he missed about three months last season, I think it was uh, after a James McCarthy tackle, against Everton, I think we uh, we didn't win a game for about seven or eight games. We had a lot of nil-nil draws and um, that sort of brought us back into the pack a bit. So he's really important in terms of creating chances, um, you know, for, for our other players. So, um, you know, I'll be hoping for, you know, 10 goals, 15 assists again from him this season. Um, you know, he's obviously had a very good Euros as well, at least the first couple of games. So, um, you know, very happy that we've managed to keep a hold of him by the looks of it. So I was worried that the likes of Real Madrid were going to put in a bid for him, but looks like they're going to go after Sissoko from Newcastle instead, which is quite hilarious. You
0: know, so. <laughs> and, and and as you've just mentioned, obviously last season you did become a bit over-reliant on him at times. Is there, has there been any sort of moves in the transfer market to sign anyone who could perhaps provide some depth in that area? I, I know you've you've signed Figuuli on a free, and he's looked quite promising, I think. Um, are there any other sort of moves in the in the offing that might give you some more depth in that respect?
4: Yeah, so we've got Figuere who's coming from Valencia on a free transfer, so uh, he'll be playing on the right wing for us most likely, probably rotating maybe with Mikael Antonio. So we'll have him on the right wing. We've got uh, Torre, who probably playing the left wing. Um, so he's played under Billage at Besiktas before and village rates him really highly um so we've got him on a one-year loan deal probably similar to the uh, lanzini deal that we had last yep. season it's one of those prove it deals so um hopefully he settles in he used to play for chelsea back in the day so he knows a bit about the uh you know the london lifestyle and, and all that so we've got those two um it looks like we're going to be signing andre ayu from swansea so yeah. that's uh, that's going to be confirmed on Sunday by the looks of it because Swansea have ended up with uh, Lorente now so um so I will probably play as an attacking midfielder and a winger for us um, so he's pretty versatile so you know we've got those three coming in um, so you know we should be pretty well stocked when it comes to attacking midfielders wingers
0: so you're obviously looking pretty good then um do you see West Ham pushing up and, and perhaps challenging for a top four position or do you think that's Probably beyond you this season.
4: No, look, I think if all goes well, um, you know, we we're we were right there in the top four until basically the third game of last season when we uh, when we lost to Swansea, you know, four one at home. So um, I think a lot's going to depend on the Europa League and how we manage to go, you know, juggling, you know, having those midweek fixtures as well. So. Um, You know, look at Everton from a couple of seasons ago when they came fifth under Roberto Martinez in their first season and then, you know, they really dropped off after that. So it's really important to have a deep squad and be able to rotate your players. Um, So I think, you know, I'd be hoping for top six this season, right about where we finished last season. I think if all goes well and if we bring in, you know, a Carlos backer, as a striker and he scores 20 goals this season, I, you know, I think top four is, is still possible for us.
0: Yeah, and just on that, um, there's obviously been a lot of um, different, different stories about your approaches for strikers over the summer and, and obviously struggling to land one. Um, what can you kind of pinpoint as the reason why you've had such a struggle landing one of those bigger strikers?
4: So it really, it comes down to uh, David Sullivan coming out in the press and saying, I want to spend 20 to 30 million pounds on a striker. So, you know, all the other teams see that and say, oh, you know, I'm going to charge an extra $5, $10 million for, you know, my best strikers now just because, you know, the West Ham chairman has said he's willing to pay that much for one. So, um, you know, we're after bat and Lacazette mainly. Yeah for for a couple of months when the season finished, um, you know, Batshu, he said he wanted European football, but he ended up going to Chelsea instead for the money. So, uh, yeah. yeah, there goes that. And Lacazette, like well, um, you know, the Lyon pre- president's been a bit of a wanker, really. He's, uh, <laughs> you know, he said he would take twenty five million, and then thirty million, and then thirty five million, and he's basically just rejected all bids for him. So. Yeah. Uh, You know, Arsenal might end up getting Lacazette for about 50 million quid or so last day of the transfer window. Potentially, I could see that. So, um, you know, Bacca seems to be our number one target now. And, um, you know, he wants Champions League football. But, uh, you know, PSG have filled their non-EU quota and so have uh, Sevilla. So he can't go to either of those teams. And I think Atletico Madrid... Have signed Gamero from Sevilla as well, so you can't go there. So it's really, it's really much us or Napoli, because um, Napoli have obviously sold Higuain to Juventus yeah. now. So you know Napoli are getting linked with him and Acardi uh, from Inter Milan. So um, his, his wife's basically pulling the strings on a move there, by the sounds of it. But um, so I think if if Napoli. End up getting a Cardi. I think Baku's basically got no other option than to join us because um, Milan need to sell him to, to raise some cash for their own transfer dealings by the sounds of it.
0: Um, we'll move on then to talk about Swansea, who you mentioned obviously with um, the link with Andre Ayew. And it's obviously a bit concerning for their supporters. I mean, they, it, it, if they've signed um, Lorente as a replacement for Ayew, that's at least a positive bit of news. But Gomez going out on loan... Mm-hmm. back to France, um, and they they seem to be struggling to sort of bring in that many players to help them progress. Um, How do you see their season panning out?
4: Yeah, they're a bit of a talking point at the moment, Swansea, and I'll I'll give a shout out to uh, Rough Edges on the big footy boards as well. He had quite a rant the other day about their lack of transfers, Um, so it was one of the better ones I've seen for a while. (laughs) No, look, I think they've been in the Premier League for a while now. um, But I think people think, you know, this might actually be the season that they could actually drop down. Um, You know, I think Ashley Williams is so, so important for him. And he's obviously getting linked with a move to Everton. So, you know, he's been the heart and soul of that team for a good four or five years now. Um, You know, and if, if he went, I think they would really struggle to stay up. I think it's so important for them to keep him. Um, so, we'll see what happens with that. I know Everton. I think Everton have put in a second bid for him now, about fifteen million pounds or so. So, it'll be interesting to see whether that goes through or not. But they've managed to uh, to keep Sigerson. He's he's signed a new four year deal. But um, so he's sticking around. But as you said, you know they've lost Gomez. They've lost uh, Pelosi as well, and uh, they've lost Edda, who was the uh, the hero of the hero. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, do nothing for Swansea all season and then <laughs> win the Euros, that's, uh, that's a good claim to fame right there.
0: Um. They've also signed um, Giddy from the Newcastle Jets, which I, th- I thought was quite an interesting one.
4: Yes, if uh, uh, Fabianski ended up having a very good season last season, but uh, if he gets injured, you know, maybe they've got to call on Biraghi <laughs> to, uh, to uh, try and save a few goals. So we'll wait and see what happens there. But um no, look, I think, you know, Laurenti is an interesting player. He was very good a few seasons ago. Um, he's obviously moved around a bit. He's 31 now, and then we scored four goals for Sevilla last season. So, you know, Swansea were relying on him to score 15 goals to keep him up. You know, I think that's a bit optimistic. So, um, you know, I think they need, they definitely need some more plays for strikers and attacking midfielders. Um But at the moment, I've got them coming 18th. Um, I think this might be the season they actually get
0: relegated. And then obviously they were subject of a takeover from an American group over the summer. Um, And from what I've seen, their supporters aren't actually too happy about that because it's sort of taken away their um, their charm, I suppose, because now they're just sort of seen as this, you know, just yet another corporate club, um, I guess. We were talking, actually, off-air just before the podcast about a few of the clubs undergoing takeovers, and we'll chat about West Brom in a second, but um, what what does that takeover mean for Swansea, do you think? Do you you see that as sort of a positive step for them, or obviously at the moment, with the lack of investment, um, it might not actually bode that well for them?
4: It's interesting, because at the moment, it seems every new owner in the Premier League is either American or Chinese at the moment. So, now the two guys who have bought them... Um, Livian and Kaplan, they actually own a bit of the Memphis Grizzlies in the NBA as well. Um, So, you know, at least they do have some experience when it comes to, you know, owning a franchise and that, I suppose. But, um, you know, Americans in the Premier League have been a real mixed bag. You know, you've got got the horror stories of, you know, Hicks and Gillett at Liverpool, you know, back in 2010. Um, You look at Randy Lerner at Aston Villa, you know, put a a lot of money in in the early days, and then you know, pull, pulled all his money out, basically, and obviously, you look at Villa now, they ended up getting relegated, so, you know, I think it's just, it really depends on, you know, one, how much money they're willing to sink into the club, and, you know, two, whether they're willing to continue doing that over the long, the long term or not, so, um, you know, I don't think there's a huge change at the moment, but, you know, Swansea struggle To start the season, people are going to look at the new owners and, and, you know, obviously put two and two together and complain about them.
0: Another club that might struggle um, this season in their second season in the Premier League is Bournemouth, um, and we're going to have a quick chat about them as well. They've obviously been quite active in the transfer market so far with spending quite a lot of money on... um, on guys like uh, Jordan Ibe and uh, Smith, also from Liverpool, and then I think they got Cook from Leeds, uh, who I think is a left back or it might be a right. He's a defender, he's I think. Central midfielder, I think. Oh, central. He's a... oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Completely off.
4: He's a uh, footy manager, special Lewis Cook.
0: So. so there you go. Yeah. So so they've been quite active, um, and obviously sold Ritchie to Newcastle for twelve million, which kind of helps recoup a lot of that. But um, how do you see those signings fitting into the side?
4: Yeah, they're an interesting team, Bournemouth. It's sort of, it's always been Eddie Howe's mantra to sign good young English players, and obviously, as you said, you know they brought in Cook and Ibe and Brad Smith. They've got a uh, Nathan Aké on loan as well. He was at Watford last season, playing as a left back. Although I think he wants to be played as a midfielder this season. Um, you know, they still rely a lot on the likes of Harry Yarta, Charlie Daniels, Andrew Sermon, sort of those. Those players have been around the club for a few seasons, um, sort of in their mid-20s now. So, you know, I think defensively, they don't look very good on paper. I think they've only got two, two centre-backs in their squad at the moment, and Steve Cook and Simon Francis, um, because uh, it was, uh, Tommy Elphick has gone to Aston Villa now. So I think they definitely need to bring in at least one, if not two, central defenders um, to upgrade there. I think, uh, so, you know, and, and and Arda Boric as well, he's uh, in goal, he's, uh, he's quite inconsistent, I think it's fair to say he can, you know, save 10 shots one game and then concede four goals the next, so... Uh,
0: yeah, I was interested to see that they re-signed, was it both Boric and also Federici to new deals, or at least they're retaining both of them, which which I found quite interesting after the seasons they had.
4: Yeah, no, that I have, so I thought they might go for an upgrade in their goalkeeper position but they haven't which is quite interesting so in in terms of their survival i think they're going to have to score a lot of goals again um so i think kellen wilson is going to be really important to him he did his acl i think in the third or fourth game last season and came back and scored a few goals but he's He's the type of player who, who, if he's at his best, he can score 10, 15 goals in, in the Premier League, and he's he's had the likes of West Ham and Tottenham being linked with him for a possible transfer as well. So if uh, he does well, I could see him moving on to a bigger club. Um, I've obviously got Benneka fovey as well, who they bought from Wolves for £10 million last off-season. Off so I think he scored three in his first four games for him, but then didn't do much after that, so... They're going to need him to play very well, and they've got Max Gradle on the wing as well. Um, So, look, I reckon they're a team that are probably going to have a second season syndrome. Um, They could struggle a little bit, but I think they've got enough quality sort of out wide and and in their strike force that I think they'll they'll score enough goals to just stay
0: up, I think. And then, obviously, with um, Hodgson leaving England um, after the Euros, there was a lot of speculation about Eddie Howe being a future England manager, and the uh, general thought is perhaps that after the World Cup, Allardyce will step down and Eddie Howe could take over after he's had a bit more time to cut his teeth in the Premier League. Do you see that as being a chance? Do you think, think Howe is sort of that long-term solution for England?
4: He could be, but I think um, he's got to move Bournemouth into a mid-table sort of top-half team for that to happen. Even Sam Allardyce, you know, people thought he was never going to get the England job um, he didn't really do that well at West Ham, I thought, and then he goes to Sunderland and keeps them up, and all of a sudden he's flavour of the month, and he ends up getting the England job. So, you know, really, it's all about, you know, if you're a, if that job becomes available, it's pretty much well, who's done the best in the last nine to twelve months? Um, I think his style of play definitely fits in with what England are going to want over the long term. So, you know, I think that Sam's probably a short term solution to the World Cup you know built the squad morale back up a little bit you know try to get him into a quarter-final or something maybe but I, I don't see him as a long-term solution um, but whether you know the FA are willing to offer how the job if he stays at Bournemouth or, or whether they want him to move to a bigger club and sink his teeth into say uh, into a Southampton or, or one of those sorts of teams first
0: Well, just so just on the England job, I should probably ask you, as you've um, probably got a bit more knowledge of Allardyce than most, um, having had him as your manager. Do you think he can be a success for England, even just in the short term?
4: I think he can. I'd be very curious to see what style of play and formation he goes for. Um, You know, when he was at West Ham, he built his team around Andy Carroll and just sending in long balls out wide. Um, And he goes to Sunderland and he's got Jermaine Defoe as a lone striker. And so, you know, England's, you know, the players that England have, and especially their strikers, you you know, you've got the likes of Vardy and Kane up front. And they have a lot of sort of pacey players. So, you know, is is Fat Sam going to be able to play long ball football for England? You know, I think if he tries that his first couple of games, you know, the press are going to be all over him. Um, And it could be a very short honeymoon. So. (laughs) But I think, you know, he's the type of manager who sort of galvanises his players a fair bit, and I think they sort of need that at the moment. You you look at, like, Raheem Sterling, who did absolutely nothing at the Euros, um, you know. And in England, you know, they have that that syndrome where, you know, you build up a player as soon as he has a good game at 18 or 19 years old, and they're sort of going through that with uh, Marcus Rashford a bit at the moment, so... You know, I'll be very curious to see, you know, will Fat Sam even play Rashford at the moment or is he going to, you know, stick with experienced players?
0: Um, and then a couple of sides that um, have been known for Route 1 football at various times. We'll talk about West Brom and Stoke quickly to round things out. Um, we'll start with West Brom and obviously the news in the last day or so that they, they well, they're going to be taken over by a Chinese group. Um Do do we see that as maybe spelling the end for Pulis in in the medium term? Because obviously, um, when these sorts of new owners come in, they might want to shape the club in their own way and and look at Pulis and his unattractive brand of football and and see that they can progress beyond it.
4: Absolutely, I do. Um, You look at Wolves as an example. They just got taken over a couple of weeks ago by a Chinese group and they said uh, Kenny Jackett's job was was safe and then three days later he gets (laughs) Pazenga comes in so you know I think uh you know it's all well and good to say you know oh you know Pulis is a good manager he's mid-table and he's safe and all that but especially when a new owner comes in you know it's a it's like a shiny new toy for him and he's going to want to put his own people you know in charge and all that and you know if he comes to West Brom and he sees a West Brom game you know how bored is he going to be watching <laughs> Route 1 football and watching four centre backs in defence it's uh I would hate to be a West Brom supporter. It would be, you know, wasting seven or eight hundred pounds a year having to uh, watch watch this type of football day play. So.
0: It's it's interesting though. I mean, um, I know when we were when we were fighting against relegation two seasons ago, and that was around the time when Pulis was out of management, and West Brom were also in the same boat as us. And it was sort of that discussion of, well, do you take Premier League safety but sacrifice that style and and to be honest, I think short-term to medium-term I would take it because you know, that sort of stability that he can bring and actually secure that Premier League football um, then allows somebody to come in and take that next step, which you can see Stoke have done, and we'll talk about them in a second. But um, for West Brom, maybe they're approaching that point where they've now kind of secured Premier League football um, and build that squad enough, like they've got players like Rondon, um, Berahino, if he sticks around, uh, who can actually provide that bit of quality in the side, um, that that a new, a, a more flair-based manager might be able to actually progress the club to the next stage.
4: Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Although I think, you know, West Brom have been up in the Premier League for a few seasons now, and you know the new owners have said they want to take them into a consistent top half. <laughs> which I think is uh, spells death for to Tony Pulis, basically. It's,
0: it's going to be ridiculous, though, because, I mean, almost every club in the Premier League, it's going to get to a point where the three promoted clubs just stand no chance unless they're... <laughs> Wolves owned by a Chinese group as well where every club would basically have top half ambitions which is just going to get to, it'll be an, it'll be an incredibly entertaining um, spectacle for, for supporters watching clubs be try, try and be competitive week in week out but uh, I think it could spell the end of managers quite quickly if clubs are struggling and, and they're not meeting the expectations of these owners.
4: Oh, no, Absolutely. And I think if you look at everyone's predictions for the table for the season ahead, everyone's top nine teams are pretty much the same. You'd have Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, uh, West Ham, Everton, Leicester, um, Spurs, and, and Everton. So, you know, pretty much everyone thinks those are going to be your top nine this season. So you've got 11 other clubs fighting it out for 10th, potentially. So. You know, it's, it's all well and good to say, you know, I want to turn a West Brom into a consistent top 10 team. But, uh, you know, that's not something that happens overnight as well. It takes a few seasons to actually build all the groundwork and sign the right players. And, you know, West Brom is just not the most attractive football team to move to right now. At the now.
0: moment, sure, yeah. And you just have to look at, at, in a couple of years, what Stoke managed to do. And we'll, we'll talk about Stoke now and, and the fact that they have year on year been able to bring in these sort of flair players in, in, in guys like Bojan, Shaqiri, um, guys like that, um, who've managed to transform them from that sort of um, peerless brute one style football into a much more attractive side and um, I guess all, the, all that they're really missing is that top line striker to, um, to, cap, to spearhead the side really. Do you, do you see them signing that sort of striker or do, do we think they've even been in the market for one at this stage?
4: I think they're pretty keen on Berahino at the moment, So, um, although, although with, with uh, Diafra Sacco's move falling over to West Brom, um, you know, West Brom might want to hold on to Berahino for a while longer at the moment until they bring in a replacement, so I haven't really seen Stoke linked to uh, any other strikers, uh, I think they've got, uh, you know, they've got Giuff, uh, Giselo and Peter Crouch, um, you know, who are good sort of target men strikers, but they're not going to score you, you know, 15 goals a season. So they definitely do need an upgrade there. Um, I'm actually a bit pessimistic on Stoke compared to other people. Their their second half of the season last season was pretty average, I thought, especially after Jack Butlin got injured. Um, He was out for three months, and he, I think, up until then, he had the most saves out of any goalie in the premier league last season and once he got injured um you know they were conceding two two to three goals on average after that so he's very important for him um but i remember that we played them in the last game of the season um and in was young we play who looked half decent in that game so uh you know they've kept a out which is very important i think he's just resigned at a four-year contract but um No, I just think, you know, Stoke have been around, you know, the eighth, ninth position for a while now, but I think other teams below them have, and I think Everton's a good example. I see Everton passing Stoke this season, for instance. I think Stoke have just treaded water a little bit, and even though they might not be worse than what they were previously, I think other teams have gotten better, so... I have stoked down in about 12th or 13th for
0: the upcoming season. Yeah, it'd be interesting as supporters of those sorts of clubs. I mean, I haven't really been in that position of, um, you know, 90% confident that you're not going to get relegated for, you know, barring an absolute disaster, but you're also not really pushing for a top six, top four position. So it's a bit interesting to see what your ambitions end up being for the season. But I mean, in our talks just then about West Brom and, and pushing for that top 10 regular finish, Obviously, if they want to push for a regular finish in the top 10, the side's got to slide out, and we're seeing Swansea sort of slide down the table after being quite good a few seasons ago, and and perhaps signs about of that for Stoke if they can't find some sort of consistency, as you say. Um, I do find it interesting with those sorts of sides when they're... Obviously, like they've secured safety halfway through the season, and you can just see them switch off. And we used to see it a bit with Southampton and Newcastle, and and obviously Stoke last season. Um, but then they don't seem to focus on going on on a cup run, which would have made more sense to me. If if you're safe, if you're not going to get relegated, if you're not going to care in in league games, why not go for a cup run?
4: No, absolutely. And then I think you know when you've got nothing to play for in the last two months of the season, you know it's very obvious with the players. Um, I, even West Ham were a good example of that a couple of seasons ago where we played Newcastle in the final game of the season, and Newcastle had to win the stay-up,
0: and yeah. our players
4: had like they'd been on uh, holiday for uh, weeks prior. So oh, uh, I remember that
0: game well. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, something about uh, Newcastle, whenever we played away at them, we, we've always been horrible. So, uh, you know, as much as... as Bad as it is for NUFC Tiger and, uh, you know, they didn't have a good start to the season this morning against Vorm. I'm uh, I'm a little bit glad for selfish reasons that Newcastle are hunting the Premier League this season because it's usually uh, a bank uh, three points for them.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how the season pans out. But uh, thank you very much for joining me for um, for this chat this morning. And um, hopefully I'll catch up with Wilson Raider and Cruyff soon to fill in the Spurs and Arsenal segments for this one.
4: Sounds good. And uh, thanks for having me on on the potty. And uh, i probably chat to you again at some stage.
0: No worries. I'll, I'll, I'll catch you next time. All right.